Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Jesse. And thanks so much for tuning in today. And hey, if it's your first time checking out New City Church, we want to say a special welcome to you. And if you're ready to take that step and connect with us, we want to make that as easy as possible. You can do that by going to newcity.us connect, fill the form out there, and I'll be in touch with you this week. And at New City, we really want to be known as a church who worships and gives. And at New City, we believe that giving is a form of worship. So if you want to do that, you can go online at newcity.us give and give your tithes and offerings. That's right. And Easter is just around the corner. It's hard to believe, but it's coming up on April the 4th. If you want to learn more about all of our Easter services and Monday, Thursday as well, you can do so by going to Easter at New City. Dot us. That website has all the information right there. Now let's get ready to worship together. Hey, welcome New City Online. Come worship with us.
Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, that this is the truth that I can cling on to claim to. You are King of Kings, name above all names. Thank you for our truth this morning. Give us listening ears and opening hearts as we listen to this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to hear from Nick Schreiber, our South Park Next Gen pastor. Nick's going to be preaching on Matthew chapter 13 the parable of the sower. 
This is going to be a familiar parable for many of you, but I'm excited to hear how Nick unpacks how the fruit of our life reveals the condition of our heart. Now here's Nick with the next sermon in Stories Jesus Told. This story Jesus told comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Hey everyone, my name is Nick Schreiber. I thank you for joining us at New City Online. It's so good to be here with you. Uh, wherever you're at today, I hope that you're doing well, that you're hanging in there. It's always a privilege to get to open up God's word with you and for you uh, today, and I'm glad we get to do that together. Hey, I want to tell you a story about a, a trip to baseball practice gone bad. Picture 17-year-old uh, Nick, um, a baseball player with a youthful beard gone awry, um, but also an even worse attitude. Uh, I, I put a lot of effort into being cool and thought that I no longer needed to, to listen to my mom or actually uh, hear her out on anything. And one day in the car on the way to practice, uh, my mom brought up a conversation about, of all things, about my, my lack of shaving. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there or not with your mom or dad, but, but something snapped in me in that moment, a result of my stubbornness or a season of stubbornness, I'd say. And I, and I said what, something that no kid should ever say. I, I said to my mom, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, well, she did something about it, all right. She slams on the brakes. She, cha- she, she crosses two lanes of traffic, does a, does a U-turn, and, and the cool 17-year-old kid uh, was not wasn't so cool anymore. And the silence on the drive home was unbearable. Uh, until, until the CD changed tracks and the familiar song uh, came on, on the radio and it said something like this. There was a boy who had the faith to move a mountain, but without a trace, he disappeared into the void and I've been searching for that missing person. He had a fire and he could feel it in the marrow. It's been a long time and I haven't seen him lately, but I've been searching for that missing person. My mom interrupts the song and she says with conviction, this boy in this song is you. This is about you. You've been missing. Where, where's, where's your heart gone? And, and so there was a trip to baseball practice that went bad, but it didn't end bad because instead in that moment, that was a wake-up call moment, a parable just for me that day that arrested my attention. You see, the, the actions of my mom that day, was, it was a physical and emotional stunning for me, but even more than that, there was a moment there where God reached in and whispered into my heart, where has your heart gone? Are you hearing me? Are you, are you familiar with that question, are you hearing me? Is that, is that question said in your house? I know it is in mine, and that, and that question usually is said to, to, to get somebody's attention, to draw that person back, especially when they aren't looking at 
them in a conversation. But it's a, it's a strong question. Are you hearing me? Our passage today mentions the word hear or hearing upwards of 15 times. And, and, and we'll see that to spiritually hear is of utmost importance. Um, and in that moment in my story, I heard the Lord. The Lord gives us moments, doesn't he, where, where he is speaking and he wants us, he wants to draw us near or to, to give us a word of caution or to, to cause us to examine our hearts. Now, the, the sad part is that some of us do not hear. Some, some shut their ears or they're too distracted or, or they fill their life with so much other noise that they do not spiritually hear. And, and scripture actually speaks of this and says that many will not grant their attention. Um, but why? why? I mean, if Jesus is the Messiah, why do so many reject him? Why do some not believe? And in our parable today, the parable of the sower, Jesus will teach us why the people respond to the gospel, to his words so differently. Why some don't believe or some do. Why some don't produce fruit while others do. But note that in each different response, there's a direct tie back to the condition of their hearts or, as in the case of the parable, the condition of the soil. And as Jesus gives us this framework for why people respond so differently, I believe that he's looking at you and me, um, bringing us into each of these different scenes of the, of the soils, um, and he's calling us to do some serious heart work. It's answering one primary question, which is this. What's the fruit of your life reveal about the condition of your heart? What's the fruit of your life reveal about the condition of your heart? And I'm praying that we may hear his voice today, that we may depend on his help, and lean into some of those nudges he might give us. Hey, if you have a Bible today, would you turn to Matthew chapter 13? I'd love to read us the parable of the sower, verses 1 through 9. Um, and also, if you have a phone, you can, you can go to the New City app, go to the sermon notes, and the text is preloaded there for you as well. Um, let, me, let me read us, starting in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell in rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Can you, can you imagine the scene? Uh, Jesus is seated on a boat in the, on the Sea of Galilee. The crowds are standing around him on the shore, and, and all types of people are there. You have the religious leaders. You have the disciples. You have some that are elders or have authority. You have some kids and youth. You have rich and poor. I mean, the, the spectrum is wide. Um, and, and with the myriad of people, obviously comes different responses. But, but make, no mistake, make no mistake, the people are, are spellbound by Jesus, by his stories, by the way he would teach and Jesus tells a story about a farmer, right? He tells a story about a farmer, and this agricultural scene would have been immediately uh, uh, visible or tangible to people because they've seen this. They can picture this scene. Farmers in that time uh, would take a handful of seed, usually from a bag on their side, and they, and they would throw the seed out, spreading it across um, a field in a large swath. And, and a skilled sower would 
would not waste seed by letting it uh, fall on in concentrated piles. And he would, they would throw the seed as widely as an, and evenly as possible. And the goal was to cover the whole plowed field with no margins left unseeded. But fields in that day, they weren't fenced off or divided with hedges or, or whatnot. Instead, the boundaries were marked by well-worn paths. And this is how some seed fell on the path. Now, I say this because I don't want you to think that the sower was clumsy or just had really bad aim. But, but you can picture this, and they could too. This is the beauty of Jesus' stories. Um, they were not complex. They were easily understood, and they were plain. And yet... I think that many listening would miss the seriousness of the scenarios that Jesus paints here in this parable. Uh, now, before we jump into Jesus' explanation of the parable in verse 18, let me speak into a conversation that, that the disciples have with Jesus, um, and it adds weight to why Jesus is speaking in parables now. And it talks to the purpose that Jesus uh, is using of why he's teaching this way, because something is intentionally happening here. And the disciples notice as much. They notice that there's something different here as they speak about, about as Jesus speaks in this way. And if you look at verse 10, uh, they ask Jesus, they go, hey, why, why are you speaking to them in parables? And even later in the chapter, Matthew makes mention of this in verse 34, where he says, all things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. Well, Jesus, why, why now? And in verses 11 to 17, Jesus gives us his explanation. Now, I'd encourage you to read this section um, more thoroughly this week, but the shocking answer that Jesus gives the disciples is that he's now teaching in parables as a form of judgment to the religious leaders because of their rejection of him. You see blatant rejection by the religious leaders in chapter 12, and now in chapter 13, he's teaching in parables, and this is why. It's as if Jesus is changing the radio frequency. Um, you're, choosing, you're choosing to shut your eyes, you're choosing to close your ears, and as a result, I will continue teaching about the kingdom of God, but I'm going to do it on a frequency uh, on a, on that's different, one that you will not hear now. And it reminds me of Romans 1, uh, where in that passage, God, uh, or the word, the word says uh, that because of people's sin and their rejection of God, God gave them up, or God gave them over to their choices. And it it makes me recall a quote that I read by C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce, where he says, there are only two kinds of people uh, in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those whom God says in the end, thy, thy will be done. And he gives them over to their choices. But here's something else in Jesus' explanation. I don't want you to miss it. So, so lean in here. The kingdom is hidden to some, but it's revealed to others. The secrets of the kingdom are being revealed by the grace of God through Jesus. This is why Jesus has come. Jesus will not stop talking or teaching about the kingdom of God, but now he's going to do it so plainly that in its simplicity, some will miss it, but others will find it. And in the parables, he laces this lifeline where he, he calls people he, to, to lean in. He wants he, those who have ears will hear it, and, and, and they'll pursue the frequency and and Jesus says in this section, he says, blessed are those who hear. It makes you want to hear. It makes you want it. And Jesus wants it. He wants us to hear. Which brings us back to the parable. In verse 18, Jesus begins to explain 
each of the soils. And, and remember, each soil represents heart conditions. And so what I'd love to do is walk through each one briefly. And as we do, I'd encourage you to do what I believe Jesus is calling the crowds to do here, and that's to examine their heart and reflect, which soil am I? Which soil represents the condition of my heart? So let's look at verse 18, and let's look at this first heart condition, and which, which I'm calling the hard heart. Look at verse 18 with me. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So some seeds, uh, they fall along the path where the soil is hard and compacted because of the, the years of foot traffic, and, and, and the path is so hard that the seed sown just sits there so that the evil one, or you remember the image of the birds, comes and snatches it away. Now note, now note this, our attention wants to go to the evil one. It wants to go to the birds, uh, but it's the condition of the path, the condition of our heart that makes, that makes it conducive to the enemy easily or quickly snatching it or taking it away. We, we can picture hard soil, can't we? I mean, I can picture it in my yard, that clay-like soil that, that's so hard I, that the grass never grows, um, and it never grows because what? It's not cultivated. No amount of seed I put down will help it. Well, picture with me what a hard heart looks like. And a hard heart is one that's not responsive to God or to, to anything about God. It doesn't engage or want to engage with his kingship or his kingdom. It's stubborn. It could be face-to-face -face with the goodness of God and yet miss it or walk away or hate it. And, and what makes the, the heart hard? Well, the foundational answer is that one small word, sin. Sin loves darkness. Sin separates us from, from God. Sin loves to remain hidden. Sin loves to create this hard shell. And, and, and sin, if you remember, it, it, it leads to more sin. And I, and I think we also could say here, what makes a heart hard? It, it, sin is married to that P word, pride. And pride says, I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't need your help. And honestly, I, wouldn't, I don't want to hand my life over to you. Um, and, and Jesus, he desires and he does demand that his right to rule and reign in his people's hearts, and yet the hard-hearted don't want it. And the hard heart will not give their allegiance to any other kingdom but theirs. And, and they see any other person who asks as much as a fool or as their enemy. And, and this reminds us of the Pharisees in, 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 many, in many stories of the Gospels. And, and under this condition, what's growing? Nothing. Nothing can, because it's, it's too hard. Now, let's go to the second condition. Let's look at verse 20, where we'll see the second heart condition, and I've called this the shallow heart. Look at verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. The, the image here is of a stalk of wheat or a tree or a plant uh, that because it's not rooted, it falls away, it topples over, or it, it, it doesn't last long. There's a the shallowness to it. That when the sun comes out or the water, uh, the storm comes, it wilts or washes away. Now, now, don't get caught up or distracted by the phrase falls away. This is, this is not a proof text for losing one's salvation. The focus of this heart condition is twofold. 
they're, they have no roots and they, there's no mention of fruit. So those are the two things at place. And when suffering or persecution comes, it reveals that although they had initial excitement around the person of Jesus, they did not know him. Now, granted, they liked him. They liked him. They, they, they were a part of his fan club for a season. Uh, I mean, Jesus, he was so different. He, he just does miracles. He, he spoke so uniquely. Uh, and and he, he has lots of perks. He feeds us. Uh, he, he heals people. Uh, he, I, like, I like the people he hangs with. And so you can, see, you can see why people would be attracted to him. But when life gets hard or when his, life, his way of life gets too costly, they walk away. Remember in John chapter 6 where, where people who, who were called disciples, they heard Jesus' teaching and they say, this is too hard though. Who can listen to this? And those, those, those disciples walk and fall, walk away. And that's a great picture of this condition. Can you see your heart here at all? Um, it's easy to follow Jesus so long as he's the Messiah that I want him to be. But... But, but often we come with our demands. I, I want the perks of Jesus without the pains of Jesus. And when suffering comes, and it will come, uh, it, re- it reveals, doesn't it? And in those moments, it's about your rootedness and the person and work of Jesus Christ, which, which comes by trust and surrender him. And yet, as this condition shows us, many say they're Christians so long as it fits into their package and is easy. But, but in truth, what's the fruit of their life reveal? It they don't know Christ, there's no fruit. Let's jump to the third condition. Look at verse 22. The third heart condition that the Lord shows us is the strangled heart. Verse 22 says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown among thorns, um, seed is sown, the word of God, the gospel, the news of the kingdom goes out, but thorns, and I can imagine weeds in my yard, but thorns grow up and they strangle it out. What's a strangled heart look like? Well, the, the passage is pretty descriptive. It, it, it's a heart that gets choked by the cares of the world, and some versions say worries, and the deceitfulness of riches. And I believe the two are linked. The cares of the world, being consumed by the things the world cares about, which is what? Uh, comfort, pleasure, entertainment, reputation, money, image, I mean, you name it. Uh, and we can see how the cares of the world can also, could also be the worries of the world because oftentimes, where do many of our worries flow from? Maintaining and keeping and establishing those things, those earthly things. But we also have the deceitfulness of riches here mentioned. Now, I don't need to point out how, how many lives are are choked out by riches today. How hard is it, Jesus says, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven? And you can, you can picture the choking nature of it, can't you? Uh, the house, the car, uh, the, your bank account, the 401k, the getting the higher, higher salary, having, the, having more to- toys, you name it. And the deceitfulness in it is that, is that they promise help and joy and satisfaction, and yet only God can truly give those. And listen, listen, wealth is not a bad thing, but when it is misappropriately aligned in your heart, it strangles the buddings of spiritual life therein. And, and let's be honest, it's hard to keep it appropriately aligned. Uh, and, and here's what's so scary is that it happens so gradually, doesn't it? 
it, it happens so slowly, and if we're not careful, these things become our hope, and we start to live for and build for the wrong kingdom. And what's this soil produce? No fruit. It produces thorns and things which will pass away. How are you doing? I know that one for me, it, it, it pricked something in me. I go, oh, be careful, be careful here. Let's look at this, the fourth condition. Um, if you look at verse 23, it describes what, I, what I'm calling the, the receptive heart. Look at verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So look at what we see here. The word sown on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands. So Jesus teaches us something in this passage about the difference between just hearing and truly hearing. It's linked to understanding. Uh, many will hear the words of Jesus, but many will not receive the words or understand. And, and many will hear, but, but not all will spiritually hear. And the idea of understanding here, it's not just a, is cog, cognitive comprehension, but what it, what it moves us to is this idea of it, it includes a response of trust and belief. It penetrates into the soil of our heart. Somebody this week was, was helping me think through a visual cue that would help us uh, catch this. And, and we were reminded of how closely the words ear, hear, and heart word to each other in spelling. Uh, so for all of you Scrabble lovers uh, out there, you'll love this. And I, I find it helpful. Listen, uh, God's word can't just hit your ear. It needs to penetrate into your heart. You hear and understand in your heart, and that's what this good soil is. It, it, it's, it's receptive to his word. It understands, it hears, and it has this heart connection. And according to this parable, if it penetrates your heart, it'll do something. It'll bear fruit. Fruit is the evidence that one has heard the word rightly. This parable makes it obviously clear that this is the only soil that bears fruit. And at the same time, it's as if Jesus wants us to envision the beauty and the magnitude of this healthy field where he's 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. And he wants us to imagine this orchard that's full because he's stirring our affections to go, I want to bear fruit. I want to be the good soil. When you examine your heart, do you see the evidences of the fruit of God in your life? And, and remember, the fruit is, fruit is God's work in your heart. It, it's a result of the Holy Spirit through his grace and his word, through our trust in him. But, but the question remains, do you see the fruit of God in your life? And, and fruit, spiritual fruit, according to scriptures, could be things like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience growing in you. Fruit, fruit could be having a sensitivity to God's voice wanting to hear, wanting to be with him, to abide with him. Spiritual fruit would be having a conviction of sin that wasn't there present before. Spiritual fruit could be this growth in good works, works talking about Jesus more or, or more readily praising God. These are some of the fruit. Um, is there fruit happening in your life? Well, as Jesus teaches us this parable, his his main outcome is that he wants us to examine our hearts because as our bottom line today challenges us, um, the fruit of my life reveals the condition of my heart. The fruit of my life reveals the condition of my 
heart. And that word fruit there in that phrase is intentional because it moves us to see how our heart is. And I hope you caught this, um, that three of the soils are bad and one of them is good. Three of them have serious dangers about them and it's only the open heart that receives the word that bears fruit and shows evidence of life. And I hope that it stirs stirs you to want to be or more assuredly be the good soil and bear fruit. Now, some of you some of you listening, you, you praise God for how he has or has been bearing fruit in your life. But here's a question. How do you stay receptive? How do, you, how do we cultivate our hearts to hear? And here's something that I and another person were, were playing around with this week. We were playing around with an acrostic that we found helpful and, and memorable uh, using the theme word here. And this, is, this acrostic helps us, I think, remember some things that we ought to do consistently, maybe even daily, maybe even moment by moment, every time the word brings it to mind. So, so here it is. Here's, here's what I think how it will help us, is that we hear. We hear God's word through scripture, through preaching, through his spirit, through Bible studies. We hear God's word and it moves us to then examine our hearts. So we hear God's word, H, we examine our hearts, there's that E word. Um, and then how do I know if the word's penetrating my heart? Well, it'll move me to act. It'll bear fruit. Now, now fruit doesn't always mean action, that's the A word, but, but the word act reminds us that there's evidences, that, that when God's word penetrates our heart, it will cause us to think differently, it'll cause us to behave differently, It'll cause us to believe differently, more strongly. And so that word act reminds us, and if it's, if it's penetrating, if it's being received, then it will move me to act. And then there's this R word, repeat, which again is this, this makes this here acrostic. And the word repeat is this, is important because I don't know about you, but I need to hear often. I need to hear often. The more I reflect on these heart conditions, the more I can see my heart in each of these, condi- each of these conditions at different times. Um, the more I, I see my heart, the more I go, man, like sometimes, I, man, it, it is struggling with, with being shallow or it is struggling with being strangled by these things. And, but I see, I see fruit too, but God, help me, help me. And I need to practice this, this practice of hearing repeatedly. And so anyway, I hope that you remember that. But here's one more thing as I close. What if after walking through these conditions, I feel that my heart is not where I want it to be? It's not the receptive heart. It's, it's something else. And yet I wish that my heart was. What do I do? Well, first, please know this. That's an amazing posture and place to be. Um, and I'd say we turn to the Lord. I, that's what we do. We pray to him for his transforming grace. We, we say, Lord, help me. Uh, listen, the Lord doesn't require us to jump through hoops. He calls us to come to him, to trust him, to believe in him, put our faith in him, to draw near to him because he will help us. And we, we know this, the place where you feel uh, you are today does not prescri- prescribe where your heart needs to stay. The place where you feel you are today doesn't prescribe prescribe where your heart needs to stay. And this is one of those moments where I believe the Lord's saying, hear me. In this parable to us, hear me. And we seek God's help because he alone is the one who can reach in and touch our heart. I found this great quote uh, this week by by Pastor James Montgomery Boyce. Um, And it says this, says, the Lord is the divine gardener. He can break up the hard ground, uproot the rocks, and remove the thorns. If your heart is there, if it needs to be tilled, 
The Lord is your help and he wants to be. As I close in prayer, wherever you find yourself today, wherever you're tuning in from, let me draw your heart to the significance of the seed as I close, as I close today. The significance of the seed in the parable. The seed is the word of God. The deficiencies in the parable are with the soil, not the seed. And what's the seed? The seed is his word. The seed is his voice. The seed, the seed is the gospel, and it's powerful, and it's alive, um, and it can bring uh, dead things back to life. And, and, and maybe today some of you need to hear his voice. Maybe today some of you need to hear his word, and it's trying to get your attention. And so as I pray, here's what I like to do. Would you bow with me wherever you're at? And I'm just going to pray over us some of his words that I was reminded of this week. And so pray with me, but, but listen to these words. Lord, let's pray. Lord, your voice says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and my light will shine on you. Lord, your voice says, follow me. Lord, your voice says, I know your name and you are mine. Lord, your voice says, for, I, for, for I, I've, I've loved the world so much that I gave my only son. Lord, your voice says, in me there's forgiveness. Lord, your voice says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, your voice, your word says, not your will, but my will. Maybe we need to hear that, that phrase, not, not your will, but my will. And Lord, your voice says it is finished. So much truth in your word. Draw us, give us ears to hear today. But we lay these things before you, praying, God, help us to be receptive hearts. We thank you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.